0: Talk tall to me brought to you by the ramby Tan 50. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on, stop everything. Uh it's playing more music at me. All right. Squab, scramps, squamps, scramps, scramps, squabs, scramps, 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 scramps,
1: I think that's our uh, our new opening music.
0: Yeah. Pour yourself a cup of tea put another log on the fire and let the cat out for the night because it's time for talk tall to me. Okay. So we are
1: on side two of this was track six. Um, And we're actually going to do something a little different, I believe for uh, this second half. And it's broken up into instrumental uh, song with lyrics, instrumental song with lyrics. So I think we're going to combine uh, songs six and seven, eight and nine, and then get into the bonus tracks. Because it ends with um, song number 10 is round, but it's only a minute long. It's an instrumental, and it, and it flows so deliciously into uh, the first bonus track, which is uh, uh, one for John Gee. Um, so that's the plan for this half.
0: That's right. So you are very lucky this week. We're going to talk tall to you about two different tracks. And the first one is Dharma for One.
1: All right. So this is the second or third instrumental on this album so far. This is a very
0: strong instrumental album. It It is. Um, I think that they you know they 're just coming out of their their club playing phase right now, and I suspect that they had a lot of uh sort of jammy songs that they could just wham into at any point, oh, yeah, this whole second half they
1: 're super jammy yeah i 'm wearing my super jammies right now, actually
0: <laughs> um well, and what 's so fun about this is that you know in previous songs on this album we 've heard ian anderson kind of take the lead uh we've heard mick abrams take the lead on one song and now it is time for clive bunker to take the lead on this song which he does so prolifically that essentially this song is a drum solo with a little musical frame around it it's two minutes it's just two minutes of drum and that's like yeah okay
1: you know it's 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 something that you do live to to show off your um, to show off your drummer. You give him yeah. a, a nice chunky
0: solo, um, not only to show him off, but also to wear him out and <laughs> pacify him. Yeah, because a disgruntled drummer is never uh, an animal that you want to keep in your house or or on stage with you. No, you need to you need to let him let it out occasionally, and I think this is definitely the song where he could do that, yeah he goes to town
1: um it's let's see it's like a f- it's like a five four and a half minute five song something like that um and let's see where is it four fifteen it's four fifteen um and we get at at one twenty no at fifty seven seconds we get a little foreshadowing of that drumming. Right. And then we get a teeny little claghorn solo that builds into... At 119 is the claghorn solo. And at 128 is when the um, the drumming starts. And then it's basically drum until 321 when that funky little bass uh, comes in and then everybody else sl- starts to slowly filter in.
0: That's a lot of drum solo.
1: That's so much drum solo. And I like, I know, I know like drum conscious people can appreciate that. Right. Um, But, but that's a lot of drum solo. And you're, you're a lay person. I, I can't tell you, I was going to say the last time, but I don't think I ever heard someone say, you know what? I need a good drum solo to like really get me going right now. I
0: think, I think it's the sort of thing that you don't, realize you need until it's happening to you i mean for me um i i find the drum solo in this song uh, a little bit a little bit transportive a little bit hypnotic if you will yeah in a good way
1: yeah it's um it's i want to call it jammy but to me jam band feels um a lot more, a lot more. What you were just saying feels a lot more melodic, and and, and it kind of like pulls you with it. But this is just like this is Animal from from Doctor Teeth and The Electric Mayhem. Like, <laughs>
0: yes, exactly.
1: He's he's exactly. A, an octopus playing drum Neil Pert's drum set. Going back to Rush that we talked about a, le- a couple episodes ago, um, he, he has a drum set that's like insanely big. Oh because of his eight arms. Because of his eight arms. Yeah. Right. All Canadians eight arms. <laughs> Little-known little facts,
0: and there go our Canadian downloads. Um, oh no! So, so yeah, I, I think I think that the nature of the drum solo in this piece, which we could say is the heart of Dharma for One. Oh sure. Um, really gets to the topic of this piece and the title. Yeah. Oh yeah. Now you mentioned um, jam bands, and mm-hmm. jam bands are. Famous for um, drug use. Jethro Tull is almost infamous for their sobriety. Their teetotaling. Practically, yeah. I mean, Ian Anderson is probably the most aggressively sober rock and roll musician uh, of the past century. And that was before hardcore. Yeah. That was before straight edge.
1: He he invented straight edge. He did. It, It actually refers to the flute as a straight edge. It's, it um, does. Yes. Yeah.
0: That's where the name came from. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just mm. chock full of history on this one. We sure are. Um, <laughs> it's, it's worth, it's worth um, repeating that we are not experts on the music industry or indeed anything at all.
1: Anything. I just, I do want to throw out there though. Um, my, my final research project in uh, senior English in high school was uh, a paper about Jethro Tull. So, Oh, that's right. Yeah. So I mean I that was 2007 so 11 years ago I no what more than 11 years ago how's that no college was 2007 so 2003 15 right. years ago I right. got my high school diploma
0: in jethrotology Jethro- <laughs> yes <laughs> Jeth- jethrotology you were the only jethrotologist to graduate weedsport high school in two thousand three <laughs> since or ever yeah it was a high it was a high watermark for mm-hmm. weedsport New York mm-hmm. yeah put it on the map i drove uh, I drove past there today and that's all I have to say about yeah. that yeah <laughs> um, so so the title Dharma for one uh, maybe we can break this down a little bit yeah uh, definitely we've, we've sort of been sneaking up on it uh, like like a tiger stalking its prey and you know to to recoalesce in the minds of our good listeners, uh, the various factors here, you know, we're talking about drug use, we're talking about the 1960s, we're talking about drummers, and what do all those things have in common, you might ask? And of course, the answer is pseudo-Eastern spirituality. Naturally. Um This album, as we know, was recorded in 1968. The Beatles had already been, um, they'd already had like, Seven right albums out, including rubber soul Revol- revolver um sergeant pepper, and they had already taken uh attack toward the eastern influenced sitar wielding um, vibe that we associate or at least I associate with a lot of the sixties rock and roll scene yes
1: yeah, spe- specifically that that psychedelic the the um the twirling kind of
0: uh whirling dervishes
1: that's not what I was going for, but yeah, that works too.
0: <laughs> what were you, what were that, you,
1: listening? the, that like psychedelic, like spinny thing in the background of all of the, whenever you saw the, the videos of them uh, playing, it was like almost oh. green, but it just kept spinning. Cause it's far out. Right.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think you can see those in the Austin powers film. Yes. Yeah. Good. Uh, a good, a good reference.
1: Psychedelic if pinwheels. You if you can't see the real thing, um, <laughs> which I can't stop.
0: <laughs> um so right so it was the 60s in London and there was a lot of uh mind expansion through drug consumption mm-hmm. and um as we know Ian Anderson was sort of famously against all of this nonsense and so the idea of dharma which is you know the, the path toward enlightenment uh being something that you could order at a restaurant is i think you know the idea that he was pushing against is is this kind of comestible spirituality,
1: right? Because the the exact opposite the 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 real belief of uh, or the I don't want to say the definition, but the idea behind Dharma is enlightenment. You work for your entire life to attain enlightenment. Right. You right. can't just go up to uh, go up in a coffee shop and say, "I'll I'll have Dharma, please." which is is what the whole dharma for one or two or however many i got a four top of dharma um and it's it's it the the whole the whole hippie culture um is is yeah we we drop a pill and then we get instant dharma
0: i'll have an extra skinny vanilla dharma please no i'll have an extra skinny vanilla venti dharma is is that (laughs) gluten-free um that's yeah (laughs) Um you shall I read a quick definition for dharma? Yeah, please. Dharma in Buddhism is the nature of reality regarded as a universal truth taught by the Buddha or the teaching of Buddhism which again is not an instant thing. No,
1: by any stretch of the imagination. It is not. Um so the the commentary behind this is I like the idea behind it, but yeah. but what more commentary is there? Save the title, you know.
0: I'm glad you asked because in a later uh, live album, they actually had some lyrics. Yeah, to I
1: Dharma for one. I love that that album. I played the hell out of for the longest time. I didn't realize that wasn't in like the standard studio library. Which is that live album? Um, Living in the Past.
0: Living in the Past, that's right. Yeah,
1: um, And because of Living in the Past, I thought that um, Christmas Song and Beret and uh, let's see, Witch is Promise, Singing All Day, I thought those were way earlier in the tall library. Um, I was surprised to see that christmas song which we'll get to later on um isn't on a
0: proper album until the jethro Tull christmas
1: album it's just a bonus track
0: right right That's bonkers just a little thing on the side that they played around with
1: yeah right and and that's what a lot of um it's it's silly to me that living in the past wasn't a studio album because almost all of those are all of the the beasts they're not even b-sides they're they're all of the bonus tracks that we get in the 40th anniversary albums right so it's it seems slightly bizarre to me
0: well Um, that's just i think that's just a mark uh, of how prolific they were as a band and how prolific ian anderson was as a songwriter that there was literally more than than the schedule allowed them to record yeah
1: yeah and most of um most of the original dates on the songs from living in the past were like 68 69 so they just had They just had so many to, to that, like you said, they just couldn't fit them all on albums. I don't know why they didn't just put out another one, but it were, I don't know were they doing like one a year and you didn't want to do more than one.
0: I have no idea. Yeah. And, um, Martin bar has not returned any of our phone calls yet. And, and Clive bunker has not responded to our telegram. (laughs) I'm, I'm, I'm,
1: I'm holding out hope for that pigeon though.
0: You know, I do think that that this this kind of perspective of you know taking taking the piss out of the the kind of spiritual movement, um, really really speaks to me in terms of how I picture Ian Anderson's philosophical position because I've always thought of him as somebody who was at once in the spotlight, but at the same time, sort of looking at society and everything that was popular and all the fads and you know he's like the grumpy old guy in the corner being like this is all nonsense
1: it was also a niche spotlight i i I don't think it was until the album aqualung where they got really big which was what four i think Mm. just after benefit i believe
0: that sounds right
1: so from 68 until Seventy-two, seventy-four, somewhere around there. Um, even though they were getting bigger and bigger, and their sound was developing more and more, um, he was still able to—he was able to be on his high horse, but off to the side of a high uh, <laughs> side horse. He was on his high side horse.
0: So, Nick, I have a question for you. Yeah, if Dharma for one was a fruit which fruit would it be oh
1: gosh um something slightly exotic um okay but also slightly offensive yeah but once you got past the offensiveness it would be good i want to say durian oh my gosh that might be that may be
0: too offensive that's that is um not allowed in a lot of public places yeah maybe rambutan now, what is a rambutan? It's like it's like
1: the poor man's lychee. It's got a, it's got, a, <laughs> it's got the the. It's less sweet and a little more um, earthy, uh-huh. uh, it, but it's it's got the 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 little pip with the white fruit around it, and it's got a spiky ball. It's like a. It, you don't have to break it like a nut, but it's a. It's kind of like a like a cardboardy crust that you, you got
0: You gotta. What do you crush it between your teeth, or do you crush it? You whack it on the table, or
1: um. I mean, traditionally, I use my Rambutan 5000 um, yes. <laughs> that peels
0: and consumes yeah. the, uh, the Rambutan for Sa- you. Saving you from having to taste it. Okay, yeah. well, there it is, folks. Right. Um, Dharma for one, the Rambutan of the Jethro Tull Fruit Bowl. And uh, Talk Tall
1: to Me, brought to you by the Rambutan 5000. <laughs> Anything else? uh on dharma i mean as an instrumental there's only uh, i i feel i feel there's only so f- so much we can get to
0: within it i do i do want to point something else out about this song yeah and and that, that is that um while it is clive bunker's big kind of spotlight moment and he gets to show off and and really the song is kind of eclipsed by him um there is a really great claghorn moment in it mm-hmm. that that i feel kind of prefigures in a way some of the excellent claghorn work uh that we hear two albums down the line in benefit it's um it's like it, it's like
1: clive decided hey you know what someone else needs a solo here so 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 where that where that um that drum ends you get the the nice like boom 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 of the bass coming in and yes, then I the claghorn do. comes in after that it's like clive said oh yeah you know what everybody else c- come on in Right, one step at a time. Um, I don't think there's a a really distinct guitar part in this one, though. Um, But Mick has been all over this album, so he certainly has been. All
0: right, Dharma for one. Um, so it's breaking me up.
1: It is. That that's what it is doing.
0: The blues blues the blues is basically what i'm getting
1: so much of the blues that i just don't like the song i'm not gonna lie <laughs> are you are we allowed to say that is that this is one of my least favorite songs
0: wow i think we should this... all
1: of jethro tall i all of their songs are my favorite but this is my least favorite
0: this is your least favorite of your of all of your favorites you know, I think that I think that it's it's important to contextualize um this this song.
1: Can I just give you my, my notes first? Yeah. My notes consist of two sentences. Two sad faces. Two sad faces.
0: A drawing of a kitten.
1: And me eating half a pizza while listening to this song. Yeah. Um I quote more bluesy dash meh than the next line down is so, so bluesy. <laughs> and that's it. That's all I've got for you. That, those yeah. are all the notes that I took.
0: Yeah, I mean that sort of sums it up. Yeah, um, I, I do. I do think that this. What can we say? What can we say about this song? Um, I think that this song is really an excellent example of the British fascination with the American blues that was taking place in the 1960s. Mm-hmm. And sure you know, there were, there were tons of bands who were, who were, f- who were chasing that dragon. Um, Most notably Led Zeppelin. Sure. Yeah. You know, that's really what, that's really what Zeppelin was, it was, it was sort of a, a, an across the pond interpretation of the American blues. But of course, you know, there were lots of other bands, Fleetwood Mac, you know, a lot of these British bands were taking um, inspiration from the art form. Um, but with some of those songs, they were what I would call inspired where, whereas it, I feel like this is what, I feel like how this song happened was that Ian Anderson was in his seventh grade creative writing class and the teacher was like, all right, kids, you have your next assignment. Go home and write a blues song. But you also have to do it on your one day off and it's going to be a really nice day out in Scotland, which never happens. And so all these kids were just stuck inside, like really frustrated. And this is the result. And it's, it's not only just the lyrics, it's
1: the, um, the music itself. It's so formulaic. I feel like, I feel like it's, it's broken up into three parts and you could, you could, you could shell game those three parts in any order that you want. (laughs) And, and it wouldn't make a difference. It wouldn't make a difference at all.
0: At the end of the day, if you were to choose the shell under which lies the meaning of this song, you would lose.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. The only thing, the only thing that I can give it. Yes. There's a little depth to, to, um, the, the chorus we will say that's the last two. Well, it's not, they're not even triplets or couplets. Um, uh, I suppose that they're couplets. Um, I said, you're breaking me up, woman. Yeah, you're breaking me down. You're lying in little pieces scattered all around. She broke first.
0: Or, yes, I will, yes. Also, there's a possible double meaning in that. Is she lying in little pieces? As in, is she prostrate in little pieces? Or is she telling falsehoods in little pieces all around?
1: Oh, I like that. That's even better. See, you just gave it something
0: more. I'll be sending Ian Anderson a bill. Yeah. Um, you, you know, I the thing that I like about this song, which I will go ahead and say now, is <laughs> great, great preempt right there. That's, that's good. Is Ian Anderson's excellent work on the mouth organ for this song. That that's that's the only other thing I have. Is it has some
1: again? I don't like harmonica, but there's some nice harmonica on this one.
0: What's your problem? <laughs> what, what? Let, let me get the book. Why? Why do you not like harmonica? Is it? Is it's, it something that it did to you? Were you scarred at a young age by the harmonica? I'll show you where
1: it touched me on a doll. <laughs> um, I. It just I. This bluesy sound it just doesn't do it for me, you know. And I I think it's it's so piercing and grating when it's used in this this whale and i know it's it's the voice it is to be used as a voice and i i can appreciate right. it for that but um just the sound of it i it, yeah
0: huh don't do it for me yeah interesting
1: yeah and I, I i mean i'm sure a lot of it has to do with the fact that i don't like the rest of this song either so it's like there's no there's no part in the instrumentation that is intriguing to me if if the the most you have is a, a piercing harmonica, it makes you my least favorite favorite.
0: <laughs> That's it. That's my assessment. Well I um I for one quite enjoy the harmonica in general. I think it's um I think it's a delightful instrument.
1: You know, I, I have heard I have heard a fair amount of harmonica that I like. It's just not in, in this context. Not in the context sure, of this, sure, sure, sure. this so so bluesy a song.
0: You know, yeah. um, I I don't know. I'm not sure if I I'm not sure if I know. Do you Do you feel that this song is bluesy? My notes say so so bluesy. Oh, that's right. So, yeah, um, yeah. So you know, but I also think that that it shows a certain amount of awareness. Let's say that this is not the most brilliant song ever composed and recorded, but I think that. For 1968 in London, these young gentlemen, and young they were, needed to have their bread money. And I think that probably this is the kind of song that would bring the young people in off the street into the club to sure. to hear some live music. Because London was just so gaga for the blues at that moment. Sure. The more of a function of 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 necessity in a way than than inspiration. Well that's kind of what it feels like for a couple of the songs on this album that
1: they they feel obligatory. Um obligatory. But also I just had the idea like what if this is this album's harmonica song and um Dharma was the album's drum song.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um uh serenade was the album's flute song yeah and someday was the album's mix song go go on
0: (laughs) keep going well i think there was i think certainly you know there is there does feel like there is um an attempt with this album for everyone to get their say and and we know that there was a bit of competition between mick abrams and ian anderson um you know what you know what this album reminds me of and the 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 uh the rivalry between mick abrams and ian anderson reminds me of is in the film spinal tap the band has two lead singers yeah and there's a bit where they're like oh of course it makes sense to have two lead singers because you've got one's like the fire and the other one's like the ice i'm misquoting it terribly but and it's clear when they're saying it, they're just like, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> this, is, this is that in real life. I mean, this may have even been the inspiration for Spinal Tap, or part of it, at least. Yeah. I know they poke fun at Jethro Tull in a number of other ways on, in that movie. At
1: this time, I mean, there are a handful of bands that can fall in a handful of buckets. So they can, they can touch on each of these stereotypes, yes. I guess.
0: As the documentary, Touch Me in a Bucket, talks about... <laughs> That's not out yet. I told you not to talk I'm, about I'm it. so sorry.
1: Touch me. In <laughs> I thought that was a good trail, but the, the faces you were making as I was saying it. Yeah. Told me that something
0: was going to come out of that bucket. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Is there anything else that we want to say about this song?
1: I don't think there's enough to warrant saying more like it's, it's, it's an Ikea blues song, some assembly required, but it's going to come out pretty generic. Right. And, and it's, and it's Swedish and it's Swedish little known fact about this song. Just this song. Right. It's Swedish. Do you know what the, the name of the song was in, in, in uh, the original Swiss? I do not. Swedish, Swiss? What? No, that's Switzerland. Swedish, it's a Swedish yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, right, I guess we'll have to look it up.
0: <laughs> You're breaking me up. <laughs> God. Um, um, yeah, Sprechenzi Brecken. That's it. Yep. <laughs>
1: uh, that's that's it. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty. We're stretching now. I think we're trying to find something.
0: Yeah, I think I think we should move on. I think uh we should move on alone. Oh oh. So next week we will be talking about the tracks Cat's Squirrel and uh a song for Jeffrey. One of my favorites. Exciting. I super like that one. Exciting. So until next week. I'm Woman Said. I'm Nick McGill. Oh we didn't introduce ourselves at in the beginning, did we? We do it now okay hey guess what i'm nick mcgill and i'm omen Sade, and we are feckless feckless moans it's never gonna happen it's time for us to talk tall to me
1: dharma for one t for two tall for three
0: <laughs> nick there's something i've been wanting to tell you i'm pregnant oh <laughs> Like like a, a Mongolian archer. Exactly. So, Nick. I was going to say a giraffe wrangler, but... Wow. <laughs> just,
1: I hate it. I nailed it on that one. <laughs> oh, hey there. Talk Tall to Me is a proud member of the Feckless Momes Audio Network.